All right. Okay, let's go ahead and get started, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Woo! Awesome. Well, um, if we haven't met, my name is John Larson. I'm the worship pastor here at the Church of the Highlands. And uh, I'm really honored to have all of you here. We're going to have a great conversation. Um, I've got an incredible panel of worship pastors and leaders from really all over the nation with me. And what we're going to do is we're just going to have a conversation. I've actually I've got a, a set of questions that I, I'm going to ask them to, to get the conversation started. But then what I would like for you guys to do is as we're talking, um, to go ahead and just think about some, some things that you'd really like to know about uh, from our pen. Today's focus is just the essentials of worship ministry. So it's, we're going to talk real practical today, you know, um, kind of what we're doing, what's, what's working in our churches. Tomorrow, I'd like to invite you back at 3 o'clock. I think it's over in the chapel at 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. We're going to do another worship panel, and it's really going to be on building a healthy worship culture, okay? So today's nuts and bolts, and tomorrow is kind of like the intangible, the, the building that worship culture. So um, I want to introduce the—I feel like I'm going to fall off the stage and break my—yeah, my, yeah, don't—we we have really high-quality bistro tables up here. Uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> so um, anyway, thrilled to have you here with us. And I just want to introduce um, Ren of Ren personally. And I feel like this mic's going in and out. Is it going in and out on you guys? Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I always get the old mics. This, they were in the main auditorium like 10 years ago. You know? uh, <laughs> isn't that the truth? Um, so uh, anyways, uh, these are incredible Amazing churches. Um, amazing churches that we have uh, here in, uh, are just really in the Ark family. And so all the way over here at the end, we have Birch Paul from Fredericksburg, Virginia at Life Point Church. Check, check. Incredible worship pastor Lee Bennett is one of our worship leaders here on, on staff at Church of the Highlands. Johnny Hill is at Life Church in, in Memphis, Tennessee. Johnny's actually a campus pastor as well, so I'd love to get some of that perspective too. So he, he just, you know, he sings and he's a boss. That's awesome. Uh, Tara Banks, not to be confused with Tyra Banks. Tara Banks, even better. Tara is the worship pastor at Seacoast Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, pastor Greg Surratt is the president of the Association of Related Churches. And then we have Tasha Zwanziger from the Father's House in Vacaville, California. And phenomenal worship leaders all. And so excited to hear from you. I know you just have been praying all night long, <laughs> prepping for this. So I just want to kind of start off. So, hey, we're going to spend about maybe 20, 30 minutes with some pre, some questions that we came up with from this panel. But then I want you guys to be thinking about questions that you have for us as well. Um, so let's start out with this and anybody can jump in um, on this. But what is, so practically speaking, what are some things that are just, you have felt kind of the thing that's happening at your church has been working really well for you. That's, that's literally helped your worship ministry become more effective. So all of those, who would like a, a half working mic? Yeah. Birch, take it. There we are. Um, I would say uh, we, we've met as many of you have, we've kind of stolen uh, the infuse process for, from a, uh, Church of the Highlands, and it, we, we've, uh, we've kind of taken the heart of it and the spirit of it and brought it to our, to our church. And so I would say like the leadership development and, um, 
and uh, really just kind of leaning on the young people in our church is really starting to work. So like uh, the way I look at it is, you know, we asked this question, like who, who's around the table right now? And when, you know, God moves and campuses launch, you know, who are going to be the people we call upon? And we started realizing that church was getting older than it needed to be, especially on the platform. So we started asking the questions, like, where are those 15-year-olds? Where's that, like, 17-year-old drummer? Where are those kids? Because that's, that's kind of how we all got our start, is playing in church, young, getting trusted with the platform. Um, so we just started taking a lot more risks with young people. And, um, you know, we, we put them in some real game-time situations. So not just like, you know, uh, you can play at this small group that's going to have 12 people in it and we're not going to record it. But like, hey, you can play at like one of our Sunday morning services at this campus. And we gave, we, we're giving people shots. We're giving them reps. And it's really starting to pay off to the point where we, we've got like, we've got campuses launching with 19 and 20 on the front line leading the way. And uh, so development is working and, and taking risks on young people are really working. That's what I was going to say. No, just <laughs> uh, but, but, but just on the development piece, um, I would say also, like, if you don't have a process, figure out what, a, what your process is. Highlands has a great model that we also stole as well. Thank you, John. God bless you. In, in fact, John Larson's going to take everything from here and just... <laughs> And uh, but before before we had that process, um, we had something we called the farmhouse, kind of like how a baseball team has a farm league, you know, the developmental league. And so we have a, a game as John Farmer. And so he started the farmhouse and, and literally so he plays drums, but he was willing to take time with young people that maybe played the bass a little bit or the keys a little bit instruments that he didn't know much about but was able to help develop them. And so sometimes we can look at something that's happening at a church like Highlands or, or what Birch is doing, and we might feel like, well, I don't have the people or the system. Or, but if you have a willing heart and you're willing to take some time with some young people yeah. that maybe aren't at the skill level you want them to be, there's one young man that comes to my mind. His name is Robert. And Robert may have been 11 years old when John started working with him. Well, now Robert's 18, and he's the main drummer at my campus. You know, so it's like if you're willing to take time with a young person, you know, so development, it's like that, like you said, that's the best thing that's, that works for us because I've been at our church for going on 14 years, long enough to see 10 year olds grow up to be 24 year olds. And you realize that those seeds that you were, you know, sowing even back then, they're now leading a campus or going to plant a new campus or, or whatever it might be. Uh, very similar to what they're talking about. One thing, too, we did was is finding them really, really young, like seven, like, you know, these young ones, and getting in the kids' church and really developing them. But then we have, like, a fifth and sixth grade on the weekends. So we do, like, a live band, and some of the, the leaders on there are nine, ten, and two, you know, some of their peers, and then, like, 10 and 11-year-olds. Um, but then through there, we've, over the years, have found, like, hey, this kid's 12, but he is like crushing it right now. So one of our main drummers, he's now 16, 17, but he started on our main weekend at the main campus at 12 years old, like owning it, knew how to flow, knew how to jam, knew, like it was incredible. So that kind of started the precedent of like, okay, this is what, this is the culture. When you're like six and seven years old, which seems so small, 
but just started getting it in their mind. So we do a summer workshop, just some practical things. We do like a summer workshop where it's like two to three days and we let parents, they pay like 25 bucks. We feed them lunch and we just do three days and we bring all our main uh, main campus musicians. They all take time out of their day and they meet with these young people and we train them and do workshops and just get it in them really the culture of like, yeah, you might not be on the team next week, but let's start believing and just gearing them up. So when they are 15, 16, 18, 20, they're ready to go and it's already, you know, in the DNA. That's great. I think with, with um, a common theme that has helped our church certainly so much and sounds like it's the same thing that's going on in these other churches that are represented is really it, who you're looking for. You know, I think we're, I think sometimes, I don't know if, how you, you feel, but sometimes you're looking for the immediate payoff. Like, you know, you need the drummer like in three days. You know what I'm saying? And by the way, I'm going to pick just a second. Why is it that the drummer always calls at 10 o'clock at night and says, I can't, I can't make it, you know? Anyways, but, um, right? A lot of people have had that experience, I can tell. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so funny. Hey, but, but the thing is, is I think one of the biggest fundamental practical things um, that you can do to help your church to build a great worship team practically is to look for potential in people. You know, um, we, we talk a lot around Highlands that, that Ephesians chapter four, I think it's 11 and 12, really dictates how we operate um, as a team. It doesn't matter if I'm a staff person or if I'm an, a, a volunteer uh, worship team member, uh, my job is to help find people and equip them to do the ministry. And I think what can happen, excuse me, lunch. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. It was gross. So many times what can happen specifically in worship ministry is that we, we desire to, God, I think God's given us, by the way, the desire to be up in front of people and to perform. I mean, I think that's a God-given thing. But what happens is then we, we want to protect that position and we want it just to be us. And I think the thing that, um, that all these churches are seeing, especially if we're going to keep growing, I think if we're going to keep growing, we have to like to step aside and in fact, uh, I always quote it. Uh, you've probably heard me say this if you've been to one of these sessions before, but Hillsong, um, the, there's a blog. It's the 25 Confessions of a Worship Team. You guys should Google that and go read it. Probably read it like every, you know, every year, maybe. One of their statements is that they, they say they are a generational team that steps aside to let others through. And so I remember, you know, when, I start, when Church of the Highlands started, it was me and the, and the piano and, you know, the drummer that, that came every other week, you know, um, <laughs> sort of, pretty close to that. And, um, and, and as it's grown, you know, we all have to take, it's a practical step to look for the potential in other people, but then also step aside and let, yeah. right? And so, um, so I just want to encourage each one of you, and it's actually easier said than done, um, because we, we, wanna, we have such a high standard, right? Everybody's, create, everybody's created this, you know, I think social media, um, the technology has created such a high standard for worship that we're all striving for the same level. And sometimes that means we, we try to make it a small team to close in, and we've got to really open the doors to, to other people and, and to the potential that they have. Um, anybody else want to dig in on any of that? I'll, I'll start going. I'll move on if not. We good? Okay. Okay, so let's talk about song selection a little bit. Everybody has different philosophies. Um, what I love about the body of Christ is that there's these different uh, perspectives. Let's talk practically about how we select songs. Um, Tara, why don't you jump in there first and, 
and tell us how Seacoast, how you, how you would build a set list. Yeah, sure thing. So we have um, a main bank of songs that we pull from. Um, our main bank used to be really massive, and we did the hard work of really slimming that down over the course of, it took about a year to get it from a lot of hundred songs, no joke, over, um, we're 14 campuses, and so um, just as a sidebar, we had come to find out that um, because of not a lot of proper oversight, our campuses were singing a lot of very, very different songs and there wasn't a lot of continuity. And so we had to really kind of rein that back in. So over the course of a year, we took our list from um, a couple of hundred songs down to about 40-ish. And um, then we refreshed that list um, pretty much on a quarterly basis. Um, we get all of our campus worship leaders together and say, okay, What's on your heart? What do you feel like God's saying to our people? What do you feel like that is, um, you know, the songs that the Capital C Church is singing that we also need to be singing and that kind of thing? And so um, that's how we work on our set list. But our um, just our our flow is, um, you know, really celebratory um, at the beginning. We split our worship. We have two songs in the beginning and two songs at the end. Um, we have response time um, at the end of our services where we leave some space to allow people to really respond to what they feel like that God has said to them in the message. Um, and so... The, so what's the mode? Uh, let me just keep asking yeah, sure. you on that. So you, you said you split your your yeah. songs in two. So what... So tell us what your what is the goal of the two at the front and two at the back? Is it, does it stay upbeat? You know, like dive into that a little bit. That's fascinating. Yeah. So the, the first song is, um, is usually really upbeat and it's a, you know, it's called a worship. It's a get everybody in the door. <laughs> it's, um, you know, get your coffee and get in here. Um, worship is starting, um, whether you've seen the countdown or not. And so, um, can I get an amen? I mean, right, right. It's a bit frustrating, but it's what it is. Um, so yeah, first song is just a song of worship. And then second song is usually some sort of, you know, power ballad ish. Um, and, um, we're not trying to, um, um, I heard it said one time that, um, worship can be related like rooms in a house, um, where you've got, you know, your, your kitchen and your, um, your, your front room of your house is where, you know, you would welcome in a guest. They would be welcome in your kitchen. They'd be welcome um, at the front room of your house, but you wouldn't take them to your bathroom or to your bedroom, right? That's for, that's for your family. That's intimate. Um, so if you think about worship in that way, uh, at the beginning of our service, we're not trying to take people to the bathroom or to the bedroom. Um, we're just trying to welcome them and get them in that front room. And so um, that's, the, that's the opening of our service. And then at the end is where we set aside more time for intimate, you know, intimate worship. That's great. Let me, let me add on just, this is another tangent. Cause I think there's a, I, we get a lot of questions and I'm sure you have this, but in, in, you know, we, let me just say this, my background, I grew up with like, you know, the hanky man in, in my church, you know, and um, worship wasn't really worship unless it was an hour long, you know? And then, um, and uh, we had the cartwheel lady too. I don't know if you, any of you had cartwheel lady in your church, but, and some of you are like, I can't even handle that. So how, how do, let me ask this, just kind of moving, how do you all uh, manage the spontaneous with the fact that we have to, uh, a lot of us have multiple services going on. Um, so, you know, just that, that ability to kind of, rest and relax in the presence of God. And then, right. but at the same time, you might have another service going on afterwards. Yeah. Birch, why don't you jump in? Yeah, our our services at, at my church are very programmed. And on, on Sundays, particularly, 
Um, so much so that we have one set list at every location place. The campuses just get freedom to change the key they want to sing it in. Um, but we're, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, I'm the worshiper. I submit to this as well, too. I don't, I don't select our songs on Sundays. Um, I have a, a whole other uh, director who does that, and he has a whole team of people that, that plan services. They seek God. They do all the Ableton stuff, and I, I get to, like, not do any of that, which is so awesome. Um, but I, you know, I get, I get the, the rundown as well. I receive it. And so then I, I, I have to then put myself in a position to say, okay, Lord, how are you moving through this? And how can I, um, how can I flow with what God's doing? And, you know, there's always that tension of like the, the Holy Spirit needs, kind of needs space. The mode that we've kind of ran in has been that um, we pursue the presence of God and the Holy Spirit in our preparation as well as on Sunday mornings. So we feel like the, the, the Lord moves in our planning phase. Um, we put a lot of energy into it, a lot of prayer, a lot of time. So we feel like the services are very God-breathed. And they, they even, we even go into it kind of loaded with some margin, you know? And uh, we put it, we have a lot of different spaces where we intentionally place margin. And albeit, like, if you're in the room, you might not, you might not know it, but there's like specifically eight bars of like a breath here. But if you're in the room, you're you're experiencing just like an openness and a and people with a breath of heaven, you know. But you know, it's on a click. It's to a cue track, and I know exactly to the second how long it's going to be. Um, and so I feel like what kind of helps us be very spirit filled in our experience is being very spirit filled in our preparation. Yeah, totally. So, y'all go ahead and write that down. Just write that down. Uh, one of the things that we have in our environment. Um, so we're, you know, similar in that we, all of our campuses would do the same songs. But one of the things, you know, Pastor John is even big on creating moments for people. Uh, because like you say, some people think it takes an hour for God to move. But over and over again in the Bible, you see these moments, you know, when God did something incredible that we have. We call it our ministry time. But every, every single week, and so I think this is the mic that cuts out. Uh, so we, every single weekend, uh, what we may have, we'll do either three or four songs. So kind of like you would do, like a, a split a little bit. But So let's say we're doing four songs. We may do three songs, and then after that third song, a pastor's going to come up, and they may do some little encouragement that may tie into the previous song, or maybe they just have a thought, you know. Um, and so they'll give it just a little encouragement. They'll take about, this segment will be about three minutes long. So they'll give a little encouragement, and then they'll set up what we call our ministry time. And so what we do in our ministry time, we're going to open up the front of the stage. We call it the altar, you know. I'll just walk through it for you just to give you an idea. So we'll say, we'll open up, call it the altar. It becomes, it becomes an altar through your faith. Maybe you want to come and thank God. Maybe you've got some things on your heart you're praying for. Maybe you want to come just in a posture of humility and humble yourself before God. So you can come in this time. You can come and kneel and seek God, or maybe you want to receive prayer on both sides of our stage. We're going to have, we call them service pastors. They're an extension of our pastoral team. They're ready to pray a faith-filled prayer with you. Maybe sometimes we need somebody to join their faith with our faith 
And so they're ready to pray with you. So you can come up in this time and receive prayer. They've got oil. If you're believing for healing, they're ready to pray for you. And then we've also got communion available. We're not going to take it all together, but it's available in the four corners of our auditorium. If you want to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made when his body was broken, we'll go through that. And, you know, believer and how Paul, the apostle Paul said, examine our hearts. But if you're not moving out of your seat, man, let's do everything we can to engage God in this moment. Maybe you've never lifted your hands before. And then our team will roll into that next song. Like, come on, I'm going to pray, and we're all going to respond to God in this moment. And so that next song may be six minutes long, but those six minutes, you got people praying at the altar. Somebody may come and lay a hand on their shoulder. You've got people being prayed for. You know, they've got a situation going on in their family. you got people receiving communion. And so we create this moment. And so, you know, it's been six minutes, but man, you've had all this, all these people have had all this encounter, you know, all this different experience with God. And so I, I would say that's, you know, when you're, when you have the time constraints, it's like, well, let's make, let's make them the time I have. So often we can say, man, I only got five minutes for this song. If I had one more minute, well, what you going to do with the five you got, brother? You know? And so you make, you make the most of it. And, and thankfully in our environment, like we have a Saturday night service that doesn't have a service after it. And that's when Pastor John's like, Johnny, we need some strong worship tonight. <laughs> and, and I know that that means I get two extra minutes. So the, the clock's going to go in the red, you know, and I can go over, you know, I can keep going, but I try to, you know. So anyway. And to, to tag on to that, I think that uh, it comes through to have those moments and to be able to facilitate, like with, with John here, I could call him and go, hey, I'm feeling this way. Or with, uh, he was the campus pastor here at this campus and I'm leading. It all comes through relationship and the trust that they have in us to keep it to that because God can move in two minutes like he can in an hour. Like we as humans put a limit on God when we should never put a limit on him. Your set is only how long? Uh, 15 minutes. Well, do you know our God? He's way bigger than 15 minutes. I mean, salvation is in a split second, right? So, but I just want to bring attention to, I think that there's something about having that open relationship as worship pastors with the campus pastors say, hey, I've been really sensing this. Uh, What do you think about me taking a minute? Can you give me a minute of your time? Because, you know, we know they all have Mark. We're trying to hit this Mark. And he's like, yeah, for sure. So he, he's, Campus pastor here, Blake Lindsay, is so amazing with that. He's like, hey, I can reshape mine. So let's do what God is saying to do. So I think it goes to trusting in relationship as and well. And that great communication for yeah. sure. You know, just, and you know, I think sometimes for us, uh, I know I'm an introvert. Uh, I'm a one on the Enneagram scale. Anybody? Anyone? Just trying to make the place. Just trying to make it a better place. But I'm, I'm introverted. And so sometimes it's easy for me to kind of, I can be quiet. And I think, it's, I think it's on me or on us as leaders, right? We're all leaders to go out and, and to really have that great communication with whoever the, the pastor is. Yeah. believe that God's presence, uh, is, God's presence is available when we gather in his name. Yeah. But I think there's an extra anointing when we're submitted to spiritual authority. And when, we ha- when we're able to have that communication, which I think that's what we're saying is there's that, there's that you know, when Pastor John Siebling's like, hey, I need some strong worship. You know, that, there's actually, that's a release, actually, because he's, he's the spiritual authority. There's a freedom to do that. That's so great. Good stuff. Okay, let's keep moving on. Is this helping everybody? Are we okay? Okay, you're going to have your chance here in just a few minutes. To, to, so there better be some great questions. <laughs> the stakes are high. Okay, here's a... Here's a <laughs> Here's a hard one, okay? And I can't wait. Everybody's got to answer this one. How do you say that they didn't do well in their audition or that they're not? (laughs) Tasha, how about you start? (laughs) 
I never say it. <laughs> That's the key. I'm I'm the positive, positive Nancy. Um, no, for us, we do video auditions, which I'm sure a lot of people do that. We do the YouTube. So they submit their audition. We watch the tape and just hold our thoughts to ourselves in that moment. Like, Jesus, protect us. Uh, but then if they are not up to par. We, we, we have like a formatted email that we just say, Hey, we feel like right now, you know, maybe this isn't the season for you. And here's some like honest feedback of where we see you could work on your gift. So if it's an instrument or vocally, Hey, get some vocal lessons. We feel like you're even just like very specific, like your, you know, your upper range is a little bit weak. And the key was a little bit off from the track that, you know, just giving them positive feedback. So it's just like, you didn't make it. And they're like, what? So positive feedback and negative feedback. And then uh, if they're doing great, we call them in. But sometimes you get the callbacks to do it live. And you're like, wait a second. You were better on the tape. <laughs> oh, Jesus, take the wheel. So that's when it gets real. Because you're like, you know what? We'll call you. You don't call us. We'll let you know <laughs> what's going to happen next. But I think just giving the, the feedback, the honest, true feedback, that's what people genuinely want. Not to be a jerk and be mean, but just like, hey, this is the, what you need to work on and let's start from there. <laughs> okay, really quickly. <laughs> we have uh, this on, honest honoring and consistent feedback that we, we like to give. But I think when you go into these conversations, to think about it, you have to have a different uh, perspective on it. You're helping them, not hurting them. So you have to know that the journey that they're on is maybe not this stop they're going on, you know, to another journey. So when you're entering uh, these conversations, it's like, how can we help them? And practically speaking, when they want to join the worship team, there's a, also a second area that we ask them, where would you want to go? You know, what area would you want to serve in? So, and then we'll meet with them and be like, hey, we saw that you would love to join the parking team. And we show, we always have them a neck. <laughs> Y'all laughing about parking team? Did you see those guys out in the rain today? I was like... I was like, that's the hero. I lead worship. That, that's the hero. Because I wasn't out there doing it. Her. <laughs> Get to her messed up. But uh, yeah, so. I'd say one other little practical piece is um, for us, if it is a yes, we're okay to send an email or a text. Um, but if it's a no, it's a personal phone call or a face-to-face -face coffee, just because sometimes that can be hard to, you know, receive. And you just want to make sure that it is received to help them on to their next, you know, their next step in the right way. And so um, even the key conversation, it's, it's worth having just a moment of face-to-face -face or, you know, over the phone so they, they can hear your voice and they know that you are for them and that you've got good, you know, right. you want to encourage them, you know, that kind of thing. So... How we? Um, so I don't uh, I don't do this as much anymore as I used to. But I um, this this is not going to be like super exciting if you if you do what I tell you to do because it's I just I ripped the bandaid off real fast <laughs> because it's gonna it's gonna hurt. Might as well just hurt all at once, right? So okay, so. We, we, do, we do video submissions, but we, we end every single audition with an in-person. Um, because, you know, our, our church has kind of grown, but our leaders have grown. So we're not big enough that we, like, necessarily, like, can't handle the volume of people coming through. So, like, you know, because, I, I mean, I'll be real. I'll have about, at some of my larger campuses, I'll have maybe seven auditions a month. 
you know? And it's, it's not a ton, you know, depending on the season of the year that we're in. So, like, um, like as far as people, like, pursuing us in auditions, like, I'll get, like, seven inquiries. And so it's not a big deal. So it's like I've got a team of, I've got, a, a, like, seven team leaders at the campus that I serve at. And that's one, you know, super easy. So what we do is I just, in the moment, I'll give them the honest feedback right away. And if it's, if it's, if they're not ready, like that's where I'm going to get. And I'd rather tell them they're right there and tell them that I love them in that moment rather than kind of beat around the bush and then walk away saying, did he, did I, did I make the audition? Like he said that I, it was nice and it was it was good and he hugged me, <laughs> but he didn't really say anything else. So I'll just I'll I'll tell them first. I'll, the first this is what I do. I say I tell them thank you. They'll tell them thank you. It takes so much guts to get up here and audition in front of me. Like you know, I I can, I can only imagine you know like how you might have been nervous about this. I can tell that you love it. I'm, I, I'm just so thankful that you that you had the courage to come and do this. That's so awesome. I, and I tell them right away, this is not your next step right now. And here's why. And I give them a couple of super clear things. Um, and I feel like what that does for me in that moment is, although they may not have got on team worship, they still feel like they can be a part of team LifePoint. And more importantly, team Jesus. Because like, you know when people talk about church hurt? It's sometimes it's when like leaders are super with like what they're saying to you or how they're loving you and leading you that they feel like they're just like blowing in the wind and then they feel hurt. If, if, they're, if they're told that they're loved and that you're for them and this is what you can do to be ready for this, I think it helps them pursue the next step with a little bit more courage. And then it's, it's really clear like, okay, I need to work on my pitch and my tone and I can't sing a harmony. Like I had people come up to me and say, I can't sing harmonies. I said, well, that's 100% of the job that you're auditioning for right now. You're not auditioning to be a song leader. You're auditioning to be a background vocalist. That's 100% of your job. So I said, you can't do that right now, so you can't move forward. And, 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 uh, and so just, if you rip the bandaid off, it, it makes it a lot easier, because then you can tell them that you love them afterwards. You're going in, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're going it's really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the other thing too. Like with our auditions, um, they, they'll either, like online, we'll sign up, and they're signing up for like a, the audition. And we we give them like a team leader to connect with them, and they let them know exactly what they to they need to expect. And they'll tell them, hey, you're going to sing a harmony in this audition. So if they come to the audition and they can't sing a harmony to how great thou art, like it's not they're not going to move forward. And then and then there's no questions. It's really good. That is awesome. Um, okay, so let's take the last half of this this this. Session's moving fast. So put it up to y'all's questions. Look at that. Right there. The first hand up in the air. I think uh, let's use this mic. We'll just share one mic. Oh, we, we, is it working? Is the mic working? And, uh, and we'll just go. So get their attention. They're, they're walking around with, um, and we'll, we'll go as quickly as we can. Yes, ma'am. Hey, um, so can you, any one of you, um, just walk me through how you handle when someone um, makes an error on stage? Um, just specifically how you handle that to protect them and their heart, but also protect the excellence of your team and to just help, like, help them like, constructively? Yeah. Hey, so one thing that we talk about 
on our team is very similar to what Birch was saying in the audition process is that we just have, uh, I'm really trying to always keep a feedback cycle going. It's the same thing that can happen um, in the audition process can happen when they make an error on stage. And so it's just good to go ahead and just get it, get it out right away. Um, A couple things that we, a couple of dynamics that we have in our feedback cycle. I don't know if that's the right term for it. It sounds bad when you're talking about audio and worship. We don't want feedback like in the mics, but number one, all the time needs to be on it. hundred percent. It is ripping off the bandaid. The second thing though, it has, it has to be honoring. And if you read the word, you know, that that's speaking the truth in love. In fact, in the word, that, that phrase, when we speak the truth in love, it's connected to growth. Like when we do that, we're going to grow. But the, I think the third thing that is really important is just, it's being with that, which means if they make a mistake, um, I, they actually, they're getting so much feedback from me or from the team that when they make a mistake, first of all, they probably know it, right? You don't need to, you don't need to tell them that. They know. But they're also expecting really honest and really loving response to that. And so, um, so we, I mean, Lee's, Lee's on our team. I mean, we, Lee and I have had countless conversations, She's critiqued what I've done, her, and there's a, there's a tr- again, it builds a trust. So I think if you're honoring, you're honest, you're consistent, it just, it just creates this level of trust. And I think that's really, yeah. Um, I also think just be, um, another way to add to that would be that it's timely. So you just want to know the right time in which to do. Because, you know, everything is feedback. Even like the little look you give your, you know, drummer when they miss the beat. (laughs) And, you know, everything is feedback. So most, for the most part, for the most part, they know. They they know they messed lyric. They know they missed the entry. They know they missed the cue. Um, They know. Um, So... If you can just like, in a loving way, put your hand on their shoulder, let them off the hook. Be like, "Do you remember that one time when you were supposed to sing that thing?" <laughs> that was, you know, just kind of give, give, kind of like let them like they're kind of tense and they know it's coming, and you just like kind of release them a little bit, and then you just do it in the right moment, the right time, and you give them a, a step because sometimes they know they need to do better, and you just ask them like, "Do you need anything from me to make that next part better?" and um, you know, so it's just timely, you know, like whenever, whenever the best next time to give it to them is give them that feedback. Is don't address the room when you need to address the individual. Sometimes we play the cop out and we say, hey, you guys, we need to all make sure we're here on time. Because everybody else, they're like, I was here, bro. What you talking about? Everybody know you're talking about Tony. We know, right, right. So, so make sure the feedback it's appropriate to the person. Don't take the cop out, y'all. Come on, we're, in, we're in, when it comes to leadership, we don't want to take a cop out, right? We, you do people a service. It's a disservice when we when we don't hold the standard and we don't keep calling people back up to that standard in an honoring, you know, honest way. So, hey, if you. If you have the mic, just go ahead and stand up so we can see you. Okay, go ahead. So just beyond the basics of, like, auditioning, now that we're talking about, you know, the constructive feedback, but what exactly, like, do you look for beyond the basics of obviously being able to sing or being able to play? 
I would say one thing we look for is stage presence. You know, like what are they? Are they awkward? You know, there's some. It's no, that's real talk. There are some people that will they stay in our our process a little longer because we're we're just working on their stage presence. Like they have an amazing voice, but they they move really weird, and it's. <laughs> Because a part of the, you know, we talk about having a distraction-free environment where you don't want the distraction to come from the platform, right? And so that's where you have to have honest feedback and tell, it's like, well, when you move like this and you get a video camera, let them see themselves, right? And then, of course, heart is the other thing. You know, our process is an opportunity to kind of sniff out the divas, you know, because in worship, which that's the next session, the worship culture, so I'm not getting into that, but so anyway. Uh, yeah, so good. And I would also say that um, something that could help with that is getting with whoever like would be your leadership, be it a, your your past or your worship team as as a whole, and really start to like um, like write out what those things are. So you have like a filter to look through. So you're not you're not you're not necessarily having to just kind of come up with something to address this one person. Like this is a this is stage presence. Like what what does that mean? What what are some key words? Like you know high energy or like you know if it's a upbeat praise song, like they they move. You know like so things that you kind of like identify as the value of that thing, and then you're looking through that lens when you're giving them feedback because. You know, you could have a person who's got such a cool vibe and they've, they're like this singer-songwriter. We're singing Praise Goes On. Like, you got to be able to get up, get up out of that. And, but you also got to let them know, like, that thing that you're strong at is still really good. But it's just, you got to have the right energy, like, like for the right moment or the, the right poise kind of thing. So, How do you make the best out of a rehearsal night to compartmentalize as your team continues to grow? Because we're running into time constraints where we're getting jammed. I'll just say it comes in the preparation that the re, how we resource the team. So if y'all know what Planning Center Online is, yeah, woohoo! Thank God for that, right? So our teams, we've resourced, we even uh, resourced the uh, parts for the for the song, so the alto, tenor, whatever that might, uh, electric guitar, um, anything like that. You can, it's really simple, just a video and throw it up on there. So really thankful for that platform that we have. And the set list sometimes, you know, might not be approved till Wednesday or Thursday uh, at the latest. And But we've, I guess it'll come with culture even tomorrow as, you, as we talk about that more. But, you know, they know to come prepared because we have resourced them so well on the front end. And our, our rehearsals here are Thursday nights from 7.30 to 8.30. So we just have that, that hour. And they just run in. They come in and we run through it. Yeah, and we, uh, in, in the same vein, we expect our people to come ready, ready to go. Uh, we call it a run-through instead of rehearsal because your rehearsal is what you do at home. Your run-through is what you do when you're together. And so um, it is a run-through. So it shouldn't be four hours unless there's something else happening. Like, you're, you sh it should really only take you as long as it takes to do your worship set, if that makes sense. Um, just a little bit longer than that. But one thing that we've been um, doing recently that has been just a real game changer for us is um, we have taken time, whether it's at the beginning or the end of our run-through, and just set aside some time just to worship. And I know that sounds like, oh, well, it's supposed to be run-through time, but like we're sort of just getting into a flow. We may just have our keyboard player or 
you know, whatever, just in, and we just kind of go for it for a little bit. And I feel like that not only does that set our hearts in the, you know, in the right vein, but then that also gives us a bit of a, of a platform um, on the weekends um, because we've already had our hearts stirred. We've already kind of prepared some of those flow moments like Bert's talking about. He's, you know, given that exact time on click and, you know, whatever. So anyway, um, I, I, I would agree with what Lee said earlier. I feel like the Holy Spirit can move um, within our preparation and it can be on a Tuesday night even um, and not just the weekend. Yeah, so um, I've been doing this uh, quite a while, but that I've seen with our church just launched, we're in Fort Worth, but our church just launched in January. And the one thing that I have not been able to like, I've been able to handle it, but the one thing I haven't experienced a lot is I have a lot of people who have a lot of music background, so they are great with guitar, drums, and all this, but they don't have a big church background, and not only as worship leaders are we to sound good, but we are there to lead them and bring a presence of God and show them, and you know, that's what we're there for, and y'all all know that, but so how do y'all get, what is your process for building not their music talent, but just kind of helping them on the spiritual side because lost so many times as a worship team because we're backstage and we can get like so distracted enough. We're worried about the music that we don't really get to sit in on the sermon. That's good. So like what is what is y'all's process yeah. for kind of building up the spiritual you, you side of that? share a little bit of what you shared last week here? There's a lot of things there. Well, John, there was a lot there. Uh, one thing I was going to say to you, we, for the last, well, our church is 22 years. And since day one, we've had a team team night with our crew. And as the teams have grown and other campuses and stuff, we still do the team nights. But the team nights are crucial for us because we practice the prophetic. We practice, you know, praying over each other. We let people, you know, minstrel on their instruments and creating that moment where it's safe and then also creating culture. You're creating culture with these people. And for us, our team is very young. We have a lot of, you know, people who did not grow up in church. And so we're teaching them how to wait on the Lord, how to wait on the Holy Spirit. But also we infuse DNA in those nights. So every time me or my husband, we will speak on the DNA of the house. And the biggest thing is the secret place for us. We talk about the secret place nonstop with our team and the purity and what flows out of them comes out on the stage. So that's great. You can play all the notes and do the solo. But if there is dirty water pouring out of your spirit, we don't want it. So in those nights, that's where we talk about that stuff. We talk about everything, you guys. We talk about sexual sin. We talk about all kinds of stuff. And we talk about it as a family because that's what we are. And we build that community. What we've seen from that is new people that come in, they get infused into the culture. Even if it, it started out with just a handful of people in a living room, it's grown now, you know, to a couple hundred. But like in the beginning, it was like just this little group of people. So no matter what stage you're at, what campus you're at, get your people together and let's talk about it. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about what's flowing out of us and then practice it with your people and really show them. You're showing them, this is how you go after Jesus. This is how you live. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, we in a similar way, we'll, we'll do um, what we call house nights, you know, where the team will get together at somebody's house for worship and like do a Devo. But we also, within that pro- our process, like Infuse, uh, we also have, uh, you know, within that, each person that's working with them that also acts as like a spiritual mentor as well, because we want to know where is somebody spiritually. One of the things y'all might feel like this is extreme. I don't know what your pastor teaches about it, but we, we check tithing. If you're going to lead on the platform, then are you putting God first in your finances? And so for us, we see it as a measure, 
you know, of that. And so we're, we're, we're just getting down into the, it's like, because that's a part of discipleship, learn, teaching people how to put God first in every aspect, you know. And so, but um, what we also have started now, uh, we have an eight-week leadership process that happens twice a year. Um, it's called uh, Leadership Essentials. Um, we used to call it Second Mile. We're shifting a little bit. But at any rate, so all of, we're making it a requirement that first year of being on the team, you have to take part in one of the two. We offer it twice a year. So you got a year, you know, you can do either one to be a part of that eight-week leadership process. So they're getting even another layer of leadership and impartation. So that's just an environment we have at our church, but it's like figure out what those environments, because a part of it is you've got to make sure that your worship team is not disconnected from the life of church. So worship team members, they man, encourage them to lead a life group, be in a life group, whatever it might be. Um, encourage them to, you know, like all the environments that are happening at your church. And, and if people are getting distracted and they're in the back and not listening to the message, clear. if you got a worship green room, clear it out. It's shut down. Like, it's service. No, I'm a campus pastor, so I get real strong about this. So. <laughs> It's like when, during church, green rooms close. It's go time. We're not, you, you're either, you're in two places. You're either down in growth track encouraging people, are you sitting in service helping carry the energy in the service? So we don't just sit in service, but we're care. If nobody's saying amen, I'm going to start saying amen. I'm going to start lifting the energy. And because we don't just lead the way when we have the mic, when we're singing, but you better sit your butt in front and shout your pastor down when he's preaching. And so, anyway, sorry. Yeah, so just practically, how can you go from a team uh, full of people to a team full of leaders? (laughs) ownership I think that's the word you're looking for because leadership is ownership and you want to help people take ownership for the team take ownership for everything that happens with the team because it's like I'm going to know the songs if I take ownership for it I'm going to come prepared but then not only that I'm taking ownership for the vision of our church as a whole and so it's like when they have ownership in their hearts then that's when you have, you've got a team full of leaders when they're owning it. I'll just give you kind of a, a, a snapshot in the last, actually last uh, couple days of our team. We, you know, we, we were preparing for all of you to be here. And so we were, um, we, I was kind of going through, I, again, I'm a one. If you guys are on the Enneagram, a one's like kind of a perfectionist is really what we are. So I'm going through just making sure everything's set. And so I was kind of talking with the team, hey, we need to clean this up. We need to get this organized. And, and the, the leaders, the ones that I consider the leaders are the ones who are like, hey, it, it, I got that. You know, I'm going to go vacuum. In fact, I asked somebody just randomly this morning. Um, I don't know if she's in the room, but I asked her if she would be willing to go vacuum. I know this sounds, I know this is a worship lab, but her vacuuming with just saying, oh, I'd love to do that. She went and grabbed the vacuum and, and vacuumed backstage right before service. Like that was like... The, Hey, what, where do you want to serve this Sunday? You know, you want, which song do you want? You know what I mean? Seriously. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just making that up. And so, so I think the way you, it's, it is the ownership. It's the, I'm taking personal responsibility for the setting that I'm in. This is what Johnny was just saying. If nobody's amening on Sunday morning, I'm going to be like, that is so Amen. You know, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do that. If it, if there's some popcorn left over from the kids' night the other night, I'm going to go vacuum that. And, and so I think the, w- the way you do it first is you got to exemplify it first. Got to be the example. But then you got to train them too. And, so, and it, you know, I, and it sounds so funny, but even having some cleanup times, you know, at your church. Hey, everybody, I know we got sound check here in a little bit. 
but um, I got some cleaning supplies. I know it sounds so funny. I got some cleaning. Go, we're going to clean something real quick. There's something about that that translates into the fact that you can just get up on a stage with your instrument and freely, easily walk into the anointing of the Lord. And so I would just encourage everybody that that leadership has so much more than just your talent or your skill, which I think that's what you're asking, you know. But it, there's actually some really practical, really simple things that we can do to create that that leadership. It was a great question. Okay. All right, back here. Yes, sir. All right. Um, my choir is at a point where we are trying to transition from doing and playing everything live to using um, background tracks and all that. But then I spoke with someone about it and they told me that that makes the choir lazy. How true is that? And then I also want to know in real practical sense, what does the choir do? If you have a background track that has the harmonies and the melody and probably the guitars and everything, then what does the choir do? Do they still sing harmony or do they just perform on the stage? That's a great question. Um, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of discussion, just even with, with friends that I have in history, like, are we, are we relying on backing tracks too much? And I would say it probably is yes, honestly. I do agree that, that if we overuse tracks, we, we can become complacent or... Um, you know, or lazy, you know, in our singing. Uh, last night we were, we're working on, we're doing a song this evening, um, kind of a performance piece. And we have a choir tonight, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, but we were even talking with, with them that were like, we have the backing tracks, the vocals, but we really don't want to use it. We want to use you. And so, so I think even just having that conversation with the choir, you know that that hey, there may be there may be vocals being piped through the sound system, but really you're you're the ones we want to hear, and just being really specific with what you expect from them. It goes back to that feedback, you know that feedback that we were talking about. Um, I think I think if you can, as as few backing tracks, is probably the best way to do it, um, because because you know it only takes one computer to fail, right? Anybody, does that happen to anybody? Yeah. And so, um, and so, you know, it, it's, it, anyway, so I just think, hey, I think technology is a gift from God. I really do. And I think you use it and you leverage it, but I do think you can't let that become your musicianship. You know, there, you have to, you have to continue to, to, um, to, to play it. So I'll give you what Highlands does with tracks. We basically have in our tracks, everything that we can't produce live um, so, you know, a lot of songs these days have like six keyboard parts that, you know, um, so we only have one of those. And so we just add in what we, we choose to do, you know, but typically we don't use any guitar tracks, uh, from time to time we will use vocals, but even vocal tracks, you have to be very careful because all of a sudden, you know, you can bring it down and all of a sudden you have like, exactly, yeah, like, yeah. So I think there's just a, I think you just need to use it, um, sparingly as much as possible. I think it's awesome to use them. You know, definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that I get to do worship ministry in 2019 because there's just a lot of cool toys. But um, I can't let that be a substitute for, for my, my musicianship. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also just um, also great to have um, 
just ongoing conversation with your whoever's running front of house um, and make sure that um, the vision is really clear as to how to use those tracks. Because it's one thing if it sounds great in your ears on the platform, it's a whole nother thing what it sounds like in the room. And so having those great ongoing conversations about just overall worship vision with, with your front of house engineer is really key when using tracks. I'll jump back on it. One thing that is a non-negotiable for us, though, is we always use click track. So you have to, you have to do that because that's just, you know, that's, that's just, that's just going to help you be a better musician. So, yes, ma'am. Hi. Um, first, thank you guys so much for, for sharing. Um, this is so rich. Uh, this is a tough one. Um, I had a singer who um, did not disclose that she was about to go through a divorce. And so I found out just from like church chatter. Um, and I thought I was doing the right thing by going to her and saying, hey, I'm understanding it's a super personal time right now. Um, I want you to take a little bit of a break. Um, she got completely offended by that um, and felt like remaining um, on, as a front line um, was going to help her through that process. So what are you guys' non-negotiables, maybe you would say, when you do feel like you need to sit a singer down for a personal reason or if they're going through? Um, and if anybody can give any personal examples of how you've handled divorce, that would be super helpful because it backfired on me. Oh, gladly. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm sorry you had to go through that. It's never fun. Um, I've walked through that too many times uh, with different team members. Um, and, you know, it, you love them and you want to, you want people to be growing in Christ. But for us, um, it's, there's never really been a policy for us. It's always been extremely relationship-based and situational kind of situation. You know, we've had people on our platform um, that don't know Jesus. And I, sometimes that's kind of tough. But we, we had this one campus launch that launched with a drummer who was, like, super close, but he wasn't there. He, he accepted Christ and you know, one day, like, accepted Christ and got baptized after drumming, you know. It was, like, so cool. Um, but, like, we, we've, always, we've always said that we want people to be in a place where they're moving forward towards wholeness in their relationship with Christ. And, you know, for, for a person walking through that kind of particular situation, um, sometimes there's, they're, what, they're not the one creating that divorce, or they're not the one creating that situation, or or maybe they are. And I think you got to be just really clear on on what the situation is. Um, you know, uh, I think one of the things that I have, which has helped me, because I I tried to I try to do this, is get a lot of understanding because it creates a lot of empathy. If if you don't if you don't have empathy, you'll just like move people around, you know. And um, you got to know where people are. You know, we're shepherds at the end of the day. And you got to know the condition of the flock, right? So, like, you got to just have those conversations. And even if it's like, you know, hey, it came to my attention that this stuff is happening. And I know that I've been, I'm, a, I'm three weeks late to the conversation. Catch me up, you know? And then you put yourself in that situation where you now can get more understanding. And then you can make a much, you can make, you can make a, a decision or lead them in a direction that they're more submissive towards because you know them more, you know? And um, so there, 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 you can, I don't think you can create policy. It's, it, people are, we, we say people over policies, you know what I'm saying? And there's certain things that like we've got to know that are non-negotiables for us. Um, like if, if somebody is like living a lifestyle, that's sinful, and like then we—that's a non-negotiable for us. 
But some of these other things, they're like, we don't really create policies for them. We just have conversations, you know? And um, I, I, if I feel I'm at odds, I go to my, my pastor and he helps walk me through that or go to some of my leadership and they help me walk through that. Um, but it's, it usually always begins with a conversation. And I would say the goal is always health and restoration, right? That's the goal. And one of the things we tell people, we serve from a place of strength and a place of health. Um, but anytime, I, you know, we've had to have somebody, you know, maybe take a step from the platform, the, we always try to figure out, well, what, what are their next steps to get back toward a place of health? Right. You know, now, I don't know what her demeanor was toward you or if she was just totally rejecting of that. Um, but you try to figure out, it's like, okay, well, we're taking a break from the platform, but here's what I want you to do. That's what I usually try to give. You just pastorally, it's like, I'm going to walk with you. I even let them know. It's like, all right, we're going to situation. As you're, as you're walking through the... As you're walk, <laughs> Devil. Nah, I'm just saying. But as you're in this next season, you know, I'm going to make a commitment to you. Or if it's somebody I'm not as connected with, well, I want Sarah here. Sarah's going to walk through this situation with you. And we want to help you. We're not just, you know, this is not punishment. Because that's what they can feel like. I'm being punished because I'm divorced. And so I say that. It's like, we're not punishing you. We want to help you because you think that you're okay. And that's what she thought. She thought, I'm okay, and this is going to help me. No, I'm not telling you stop worshiping. You need to worship. But when it comes to leading people in worship, go through a season of healing and health, and we want to help you walk through this. And so Sarah's going to be checking on you. I'm going to keep up with you. I want to meet with you. Let's, let's come back in three weeks. So we're going to set a time. It's like, well, let's come back in three weeks. And I want to talk again. I want to hear what's going on. What's going, if they got kids, what's going on with the kids? And you know what I mean? Because ultimately, you know, you want to help them make it through it. And with marriage in particular, you know, one of the things we have to, the question I always ask people is, you know, because sometimes people, they'll come and tell you once they're filing divorce. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But, um, you want to want to get people to the channels of help that the church has available as well, you know, pastorally. Even if they're there, it's like we're willing to sit down with somebody. We can try to make that happen now. So, anyway. Um, so, how do you guys push the boundaries of your teams when you have a, a singer who is a little timid, but you know the potential is there to take that next step? Um, so, what are some encouragement encouraging words that you guys use or uh kind of the is there any like all right you're gonna sing this this week and you're gonna do a great job and um if people think you suck okay but you know, you're gonna sing it out to god and i know it's there so uh what are some of the tools that you guys use to y'all might do that in your like in your pipeline well yeah well what Let's, creates a safety for that for us to yeah. be able to do that is the development that we have them in prior to reaching a Sunday service. So, and then we won't ever, you know, I, w I wouldn't put someone out there until I saw a consistency already in them because my job as a shepherd, pastor, leader is to protect them, you know, and to set them up for success rather than, but yeah, we've done that plenty of times. I mean, John's even looked at me before and says stuff like, hey, you're going to do it. 
But it's only because he knew that it was in me, just like what you're saying. I know this is in you. And I think that we are, we do need to put, we do as leaders need to take risk on people because we're to call out the potential in people as leaders. That's what, that's what we do. But yeah, so I, I think that's done in development. So we see a consistency, you know, maybe there's like a consistency of like just pitch practical things, you know. Or we, they run that moment for us, and we were like, oh, man, there's like a gift on their life. There's, so, anyway, that's practical. Uh, just Sunday, I had a girl. She's been on the team for a while, but she was leading and uh, singing backgrounds at our Celebrate Recovery Night, which is like 200 people on a Monday night. And, you know, it would be called like the C team. Like, they're not on the weekends. They're not leading at campuses, but they love it. They lead this celebration and it's a great opportunity and a place for them to grow and develop. So I knew this girl's been leading there and I've heard her like a little bit, but she's so scared, so hesitant, but I know, I like knew it. I'm like, she has it. And when she lets go, something is going to break in the atmosphere. So literally Saturday night, we have a Saturday night service and in soundcheck, she didn't know, she wasn't prepared. She didn't like, you know, think about this for two weeks. It was at soundcheck. And she said she could feel it because I looked over at her. I go, verse two. And she's like, Ugh. she stepped out in sound check and, you know, still kind of hesitant. But it was like, you could feel it in the atmosphere. Like, dude, this girl has something on her. So she got a little bit brave. I pulled her aside before service. I go, here's the deal. I believe in you 100%. God is not everybody stepping out today, but you are. And she, you could see her face just like, I just gave her, you know, pep talk. We're going out there. We're going to go get him. And inside, I was a little, I was a little nervous, to be honest, because I'm like, this is on me if she like, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, oh, Lord, God. So like, I'm like, come on, church, sing this out. And whatever the first line was with the second verse. And she's like, and she went for it. And I was singing melody with her just in case if she backs out and she did not, she went forward. It was like, it almost like the light came on her and, and she went for it. And she just said, thank you afterwards. Cause she's like, I didn't know I had it in me. And so I think it is taking the risk and believing in people. We're about people. That's what this is. It's not about music. It is not formats. We are about people. And what happens on stage translates in the atmosphere and in the audience. So even if people in the crowd are like, she's hesitant, but I don't know, she's bold. Like, it's going to translate to people. So it's taking the risk, believing in them, and just pushing them, push them off the cliff. Like, there you go. Would you uh, join me in, in thanking this incredible panel? It's amazing. <clears throat> hey, because, because there's another app session coming after this, we do have to, to shut it down. But um, I, I think we'll stick around for a little bit right outside of the... Uh, the doors here. If you have any other questions for us, hey, just because um, we like y'all, we we actually have a gift for you over here at the. Um, there's this things called CDs. Do you guys remember those? So there's a there's a free CD of Highlands Worship over there for you. The latest release. God bless you guys. Have a great day. All right. See ya.